there's nothing formal about this. We just, <laughs> exactly, I was gonna say, like, everyone's getting all quiet. I'm like, there's nothing formal. It'll be edited we'll too. So if like you have if a brain fart silly. or yeah, like we'll we highlight that even more. Uh, put it on a loop. Space out, like. <laughs> okay, guys, welcome to another episode of Always Making. This is episode four, and we have a treat with you guys. Another guest with us from some of the shows we've been doing. This is Taylor from Trash Pile. Woo! Thank you for having me. Oh, we appreciate you coming down and spending some time with us and just talking about your creative passion and what really drives everything about what you're doing. So uh, I guess give us a little spill of how it all got started for you. Oh, that's a a lengthy answer. Um, Long story short... Podcast is about an hour long, so if we keep it in there, we're (laughs) fine. Perfect. Um, So yeah, long story short, I have been tie-dyeing since high school. So my business is at this point all upcycled tie-dye. So I will go find cool stuff in the thrift store, tie-dye it, give it a little extra spice, and then, you know, help it be someone's like new favorite t-shirt that they never want to take off. So I started tie-dyeing in high school. um, And it was just a, a hobby that I would do when I was bored with my clothes. You know, sometimes I would stain something or you had this t-shirt from a sporting event that you never wore so i would occasionally like go to walmart buy a tie-dye kit and upcycle them make them really cool and that was kind of the extent of tie-dye for a really long time for me um and then during the pandemic i was bored and none of my friends wanted to hang out because everyone was being very careful so i just started tie-dyeing my clothing and like looking up tutorials and actually being very purposeful about um, how, you know, what I was doing with the dye and what I wanted to achieve. And I'm a big rock climber and I would go down to different rock climbing areas on the weekends and people would say, where did you get that? That's a really cool North Face shirt or that's a really cool whatever. And I would say I made it and people started like literally taking the clothes off their back and being like, will you take this home and tie-dye it? Like, will you make me one as well? And it just started very, very casually. Um, and eventually, so that was fall of 2020. And then I think January of 2021, I finally started this little Instagram page just to have a place to post, you know, all my friends' clothes that I was upcycling. Um, And then in February of 2021, my dog got sick and it was just a stomach bug, nothing crazy, but because of like COVID staffing shortages and everything that, you know, the pandemic did, I couldn't get her into my vet for like two weeks. And so they were like, you're going to have to take her to an emergency vet clinic. And so those are always really expensive. So I was all of a sudden had this big bill. Um, I was working at a nonprofit at the time, so I really didn't make any money. We had been furloughed over the Christmas holidays for a few weeks. And so just was very worried about how am I going to pay for this, you know, several thousand dollar vet bill. And I'd been doing all of these experiments. And so I said, why don't I tell, sell some tie dye? You know, a lot of people have been asking, do you have an Etsy shop? Do you selling stores you know all that kind of thing and the answer was always no so I finally just got on my Instagram story and said it's everyone's lucky day I'm selling some (laughs) tie-dye to cover this vet bill you know you know really drawing attention to I'm not just selling this for me I'm selling it for my dog essentially (laughs) and everybody really responded to that Um, probably helped that I had worked 
at a nonprofit and really knew how to do some fundraising. So um, I covered her vet bill in less than two weeks, though, and all my wardrobe was gone at that point. (laughs) And so I just said, oh, man, like, let's start going to thrift stores and just finding these cool shirts and keeping that really genuine core that I had already had with tie-dye, you know, taking my stuff I was bored of and making it better. And so I just started going to the thrift stores. I lived two blocks away from a DI at the time. And I would go over on my lunch break and say, you have 30 minutes and $30, buy what seems cool. And I put together little collections of, you know, Star Wars stuff or music t-shirts, just kind of like would look for themes and maybe get 10 shirts and drop them to my Instagram. And eventually that got cumbersome and I moved to Etsy and now I have my own website. And so it's just little by little grown and I never really set out to start a business, but uh, (laughs) here we are. I've just kind of like ridden the wave or rode the wave as it's, as it's come, which has been really, really fun. Yeah, it's it's super fun. We we first met you up in Brighton um, with one of the shows. You actually had a booth right next to us. So we got to see some of uh, your stuff close up and personal. And we're like, oh, this is really cool. And so I personally have never really jumped into the tie-dye, uh, like messing around with it. Christy's done a couple. Yeah, I've done uh, a little bit, but not well. <laughs> it's definitely like very harsh. It's definitely more challenging than people... The, like, designs and spirals and patterns. It's, like, Mm -hmm. it's so cool. I mean, I literally have just done the, like, wind it up, put some more bands on. Dip it in and just see what happens. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But, no, I mean, when you do those purposeful designs, they are so cool. Yeah, no, absolutely. Love it. I was just, like, I would sit. (laughs) We were at our booth, and I would just keep, like, peeking over and be like, oh, look at that shirt. That one's really fun. (laughs) So how did you go about getting your techniques down for your tie-dye? Because so, you have a couple different pattern styles yeah. that are like mm-hmm. pretty your style. Totally, yeah. I have a, I would say probably four or five, six maybe that I really consider my bread and butter. And one of them, um, I, I should have worn a spiral. <laughs> I, Some of my friends and I had prior to the pandemic done some tie-dye together. Um, you know, I just had this these friends that we would like to get together occasionally and do tie-dye. And one of my friends, his name's Mitch, shout out if you're listening, um, he was better than me at the spiral, you know, like that classic spiral that you see. And I remember him doing one and thinking, wow, Mitch's is so much better than mine. (laughs) And so I started practicing really specifically on the spiral because I really needed to get better um, than him (laughs) at that one. And once I started... It's like one of those things when you create and you start to really get something right and you start to really like what you're creating and it's just, you get sucked in and you start doing it more and more. And then I got curious about some of these other patterns that I would see on Instagram, on YouTube. And so it was kind of the same thing. Like once I started mastering the the spiral, I said, let's go try this pleated thing or this galaxy thing. And it's just so fun to to improve and get better at it. So luckily during the pandemic, I had tons of free time. So I just, <laughs> just that's what I would do in the evenings after work. I would get five shirts out and really practice. And if I wasn't happy with how crisp the pleats were, I would, you know, start over. And so it's just probably a lot of boredom went into honing <laughs> that technique, you know? Well, there is that saying of like that 10,000 hours you mm-hmm. put in and of, of that craft and totally. going on. I, 
I don't think I've put 10,000 hours into any one specific thing I've done, but I've done <laughs> a lot of things mm -hmm. to like have those like skills to kind of transfer over. But one of the like common things I've been hearing from everybody we kind of have been meeting over this past year, because you started about a year ago with doing shows. Mm -hmm. we, we started literally mm -hmm. last July doing shows. DIY Fest, which is coming up, which you're in DIY Fest uh, with us as well. Um, it was our... It was our, technically our first show we signed up for. It was our second show wow. we technically Ever. did. That's yeah. a lot for a second <laughs> show. Oh my gosh. Well, that's when we signed up for the DIY Fest and we were like, maybe we should find a smaller Let's get a warm up. Let's get a warm up in. To figure things out with first. We did find a warm up, but it was like it was a Sunday two weeks prior to DIY Ooh, Fest. Wow. We kind of like popped some things up and tried to see what happened. We're like, whoa, this did how really we well. Okay. This was awesome. <laughs> we put signs okay, up. so now like... let's do three days and see how wow. that goes. But common thing I'm hearing from a lot of people is the pandemic and all of that kind of push people mm -hmm. into that, like, unknown area of, yes. like, hey, trying stuff out. So what was that, like, okay, you had a Etsy, you had your thing. What was that, like, deciding factor to say, hey, I'm going to try this in person and get out to shows? <sighs> That's a great question. I think a lot of it had to do with other people's encouragement. Um, a few of my friends would say things like, you would do great at the Provo Farmer's Market. You would do well at Craft Lake City. Um, why don't you try selling in stores? Um, and so I think I started just getting kind of curious because other people kind of brought it to my attention. And it's kind of funny. I remember in 2021, I don't know if I got targeted for an ad on Facebook or Instagram, but I remember seeing and learning about um, the BCC fee where we met mm -hmm. up at Brighton. And I remember thinking, you know, the fee's not that high. I could probably, you know, do a little pop-up and maybe borrow a tent and some racks, but I kept talking myself out of it. I never tried it that summer. Um, which sometimes I think like, what if you had tried it within that first six months? Cause I waited a whole nother year yeah. to, to sign up and give it a shot. So I think it really came down to people encouraging me to continue pursuing and continue trying to grow it. Cause I think I'm like a natural introvert. I'm pretty shy. And so I think I would have just continually kind of talked myself out of it. You know, I can I can be on Etsy, I can be on Shopify, I don't need anyone else to see me, but yeah, I just decided, uh, I think I signed up for the Urban Flea Market in March, 2022. So it wasn't even a summer show, it was a spring one. And I said, let's just try this out. And if it goes well, then maybe I'll look into some of these summer ones. And uh, it went really well. So I just said, let's try some more and it's just continued to build on itself. <laughs> How has doing shows like taking you to like next level or has it not? Has it been like kind of a, kind of a, I don't know, like a hodgepodge of trying to just yeah. figure it out or has, is it that next step for you? I think for me, it was definitely a huge next, like a big step forward. Um, it's interesting. My, I think second outdoor show of last year. So it would have been early June. I met, um, someone who works for Nena & Co., which is a handbag company based down in American Fork. And their office was right next to where I was tabling. And this lady was just on her way to work and she saw my tie-dye booth and she came by and said, would you ever want to teach a class? We've been looking for someone to do this. And so in on one hand, doing these shows has helped 
like create a lot of open door opportunities for my business because people are looking for people to teach classes, whether you do screen printing or knitting or tie dye. Um, So on one hand, shows have really just helped me meet a ton of people and helped me grow my business, which then you have additional people other than your friends encouraging you to, to continue doing it. But I think what it's really come down to for me is getting like real time and real life data on what works. Um, I think that's been like the fascinating thing about doing, you know, I'm now in my second summer of doing a lot of these markets and I'm just fine tuning my product line and I'm fine tuning my process of how quickly can you create because you sold a ton of stuff. Um, So I think it's really pushed me to the next level in terms of how I do business and what I create. And it's exhausting sometimes, but it's also just so encouraging because you get so much more of that feedback when you do these shows versus just you know, on social media or on Etsy, like that's all valuable feedback, but having that real time FaceTime with people who are interacting with this thing that you made is so valuable. We we had the same discussion with our last guest on, he'll be doing his first DIY Fest this mm-hmm. year with him. He's done a couple shows with us, but uh, that satisfaction that like, I, I call it a high mm-hmm. uh, from like people just coming in your booth and saying that's really cool. Yes. I, I don't care that they don't buy anything right. or anything. It's yeah. just that walk-in and that like interaction you have mm-hmm. with the person. Yes. Because yeah, someone can like it on Etsy. Right. It doesn't have that same feel. Yes. And so it is that same common thing. And I, th- I think like the more and more we have discussions with like creative people like yourselves and others, we discover that like that's something that is like you can't replace anywhere mm-hmm. else. And so he he had the same discussion of like doing shows as well and like it's it's a scary thought it's yes, a scary process 100 how did you like kind of overcome that besides just the friends and family and like other encouragement was it what was that final thing for you that kind of said like okay i gotta do this yeah i think um you know i'm a big believer in self-improvement in general and this this might come from me. I, I played a ton of sports growing up. And so my background really, there is a lot of that stepping out of your comfort zone, whether you're in a state semifinal match and if you don't win, you're going home or you're playing in front of all of these people who are screaming at you. You're not in your comfort zone. I think I've just had a lot of experiences where I've had to kind of suck it up and say, like, do you want to do this or do you not? And so I think it kind of just came down to, do you want this learning experience or do you want to keep wondering? Um, I think I would have always continued to wonder how successful can I be if I put this in front of people? How much fun can I have if I go out and spend the day at Brighton in the mountains and just set up a tie-dye booth, you know? It's, it's, it's pretty nice environment it's, to it's be. It's such a great place to be. It's my favorite market. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, like, plug for them. But, um, yeah, I think ultimately it was that, like, almost that, like, discomfort. I think something that doesn't get talked a lot about in stepping out of your comfort zone is the fact that there's some discomfort in staying in that comfort zone where you feel that, I think a lot of creatives feel that pull to step outside of themselves and to share their art, but, you know, and it's comfortable to, to feel small and think, oh man, like I'm just gonna, 
I'm just going to stay here. Like we, I think so many people want to step out and we fear what people will say or fear not selling anything. But I think I'm like a firm believer that when you take one meaningful step forward, whether you want to call it God or the universe or energy, you're going to be met with the second step. Um, I really think that whatever step you take, you're going to be aided with the second one. And so I think that's what it came down to for me. I just got tired of wondering and being in that discomfort of staying in my comfort zone. So I chose the discomfort of stepping out. And I think everybody should figure out what that first step um, out looks like for them. It might not be markets. It might be Etsy, you know, it might be creating that Instagram page so that you can have a space to share your creativity, whatever it is, just, just do it. Because it's great. (laughs) Good things will happen, for sure. Yep, that's pretty much exactly what we tell everyone as well. (laughs) Just start, just try it. That first step is so hard. But like you said, the next step will come. Yes. And I think something I've learned in you know, I never really set out to start a business, but I'm sitting here now two and a half years into it. And it's really cool to look back and think about all of those just like little steps that I've taken. Most of it's, I think there are some bigger steps than others, you know, deciding to do a three day festival (laughs) like Craft Lake City is a big, much bigger step than deciding to do a small pop-up at a floral shop but that doesn't mean that one's more valuable than the other they're both learning experiences and you know just deciding what that looks like is kind of hard because you do not know what's Mm -hmm. going to happen and uncertainty is such an uncomfortable feeling but um you know the only way to overcome that uncertainty is to go find out and make it certain and so I just, I don't like the unknown. So I'm just like, <laughs> let's go find out how this works and it might be a failure. And that's kind of been my, the area I'm in this summer with a lot of these festivals. I'm just trying so many different ones to get an idea of where I do well. And sometimes I fall really flat on my face and I don't make much money, but it's a learning experience yeah. and you just, you move on to the next. We're in kind of that same boat for mm-hmm. this year for us as well. Like this was the first year doing the Brighton show. Mm-hmm. This is the first year for us doing the Ogden yeah. uh, show. And so we are trying new things to see what's going to work for us. And we're, we're missing out on other opportunities totally. that are there because every weekend there's an opportunity and don't so know many. which one's going to be the right Multiple opportunities. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so and, many. And, but you also don't want to run yourself rampant, like ragged. just ragged, <laughs> <laughs> uh, trying to get to everything and worry about what you're missing out right it is really like learn from this experiment uh, there's the ex- like experience that you can have the next weekend or the next year kind of stuff with uh diy fest for you guys who are listening this will be coming out the friday the start of diy fest so if you guys are in town come, come check us. out uh, yes. uh trash pile um check out all the other artists but it is a fun show we we attended it for the first time two years ago mm-hmm. and we both had the conversation we're like we should be here like why yeah, can't like, we be totally here? why and can't so, we do this yeah like we can do this and so we before the camera started rolling, we were talking. We, we have about 18 to 20 years of making experience. And mm-hmm. every single thing we've done is that stepping stone of learning this or, or purchasing something that's going to help right. later down the line. There's tools that I bought 10 years ago that I'm still using today yeah. for something completely different than what That's awesome. And so it is one of those, hey, I don't know what tomorrow holds. 
but I'm going to try. Yes. <laughs> That's yes. the reality. Let's see what happens. Like, let's see where this takes us. Because mm-hmm. in the end, I'm super happy making stuff with my hands. Mm-hmm. I think we both are. Yes. I, I believe. 100%. You, you Whether we're making money doing it or not. Like, yes. it's what yes. we're going to do. And so, like, there's, like, we have experimented on so many materials, on so many different things to try stuff out. Just to say we we learn something. Right. That's yes. the fun part about being a maker, a creative. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I make one-off things that never see the light of day. Yep. I don't have to share them with people. Yes. I'm, I'm happy with the, yes. what I did, and that's cool. That's it. Yes. And so that's the fun part of all of this making kind of stuff. And kind of just we, we cover down on the tools and stuff like that. But, like, the tie-dye, and I've seen some of your social media – there's a variety of methods you do mm-hmm. to tie dye. So many, yeah. Like, what is your favorite method? And then what is that, like, tool that makes that method that much Man. easier for you? Yeah, so what's fascinating about tie dye, and I love teaching people, like, we should get together and do a tie dye day sometime. Because it's please. fun. <laughs> it's fun to watch this light bulb go off for people when I'm teaching, because a lot of times people are like, how do I do this? Like, ugh. And. Tie-dye, you have two tools, essentially. Your tie and your dye. (laughs) Like, what you're doing literally is in the name. And so there's a few different methods to use for tying. You know, some people will use kite string. Some people use rubber bands. Some people use what's called sinew. And there's so many different ways to tie up your shirt. Um, And that's what's fun is, like, you start to learn, like, okay, if I do this shape... This is how it's going to unfold. Um, it's kind of like origami, and you have to be able to visualize, you know. Th- I'm putting it together, and when it comes apart, this is what it's going to look like. So my favorite method, for those of you who could see, I guess, like lately has been this geode thing. Um, it's something that I tried out when I was first practicing way back in the pandemic, and I, it's one of those things, like you said, you try something, and then it never sees the light of day because – I was never very good at it. Um, to, in order to make the geode kind of cool, you you just kind of like tie in these little nodes. Um, it's nothing like super specific, but you have to t- like pull really tight. And I just was never getting my my um, sinew tight enough. And so when I would like go in and put the dye in, it would you know I'd unfold it and it would just look. I'm sure some people would think it was great, but I, being so <laughs> tough on myself, was like, this is terrible. This, no one can ever see this. So that's been something that literally I've been practicing over the last two and a half years. And I feel like I'm just getting to the point where I've started putting these geodes out for people to buy. A lot of people will come to my booth who came last year and they'll be like, oh my gosh, you're doing way more of these geodes. Like, these are really cool. You would usually only have like one or two last year. And so... Um, yeah, like my favorite method is pretty much any method because I love one of the things that you'll find if you ever come to the trash piles booth is there's a ton of variety. Like I cannot seem to focus in on one specific thing that I really like. Like I, I kind of have three methods. I have the geodes that I do. I have the more like pleated stuff, which is kind of one of my signature things. And then I do this, what's called galaxy dyeing. Um, which doesn't involve any folding. So I guess that's kind of bucking the tie-dye thing. But <laughs> you just put, you know, you kind of like scrunch up a shirt in a pan and you sprinkle loose dye and then you let ice take the dye wherever it will. So I feel like those three 
are my bread and butter and they're all a little different. And I think that's what helps me not get bored. You know, I have these three different things and I'll kind of, I'm never doing a week's worth of geodes. I'm like, okay, here's one day of ice dyeing. Here's one day of liquid dyeing with the pleats. And then here's a day of color removing with these geodes. So I just kind of consider myself a little bit of a jack of all trades with tie dye because I can't find one thing that I really, really love. I love all of it. <laughs> Definitely preaching to the choir. Yes, <laughs> seriously. Oh my gosh. We do way too many things, That's but it's awesome. fun. But there's like never too many. It's yeah. so cool to just let your mind pursue what it is being drawn to in that moment. You know, sometimes I'll get a batch of tie-dye out, you know, I'm going to fold these shirts and then that's just not what's speaking to me at the moment. So (laughs) why don't I pull these ones out and do some block printing on them kind of thing. So it's lovely having multiple avenues of creativity because then whatever's speaking to you, you can just let that energy move through you and create something amazing. Love it. (laughs) So one of the things going in that same direction, you have a series on your Instagram of tri-dye, yes. which I love because like that's also something with like screen printing, like screen printing will take different methods to have that ink adhere mm-hmm. properly to different materials. So you're like, okay, I found this thing at the thrift store. Maybe it'll work. Totally. I don't know. But like, how, how do you like just go about like trying, okay, I'm going to try this and like, what's your exper- experiment process for that? Some of it honestly comes from the people I meet at markets or people who follow me on Instagram. I recently did a tri-dye video of a rain jacket, like a waterproof rain shell. And that was um, somebody had come to my booth at a climbing festival. And prior to that festival, I had done a little collaboration with a friend. Uh, Her page is called Outdoor Thrift, and she thrifts just outdoor brand stuff. And I had been doing some of this like experimentation on synthetic stuff. And she's like, I have these pants that like haven't been moving. Do you want to take them and try to dye them? And so I had, and so I had this rack of synthetic things at this um, climbing festival because they were all outdoor brands. And this person came up and said, how did you do this? (laughs) You know, like how did you dye these polyester pants? Like what? Um, And they said, could you, have you ever tried Gore-Tex? Have you ever tried waterproof things? And I said, no, I have a ski jacket that's waiting, but I like, you know, don't, what, why am I going to experiment on a ski jacket in the middle of summer? So I'm like, that's on my list for eventually. And they said, I have this rain jacket. It's stained. It's, you know, I'm just kind of, do you want to try it? And so a lot of stuff comes from people coming to my booth and saying, have you ever tried this? Have you ever done this? And sometimes I have an answer and I'm like, yeah, that didn't go well. I, <laughs> I tried to tie dye some beanies and RIP to my Carhartt beanies. Cause they were, you know, like my beanies. I'm like, if these come out, these will be perfect. And then they did not come out perfect. I'm still trying to figure out beanies, honestly. And even hats, like people are like, will you, you know, have you tried hats? And I have failed really miserably on some hats. So a lot of it just comes from other people's curiosity and, then I, you know, just kind of pick it up and run with it. Because if someone at a market has this question in their head, I'm sure other people, um, you know, on my Instagram following or just on the general internet have these questions too. And 
if I can provide some entertaining <laughs> content for them, why not? And so someone texted me just last week and said, do you want to try a blanket? Um, someone just yesterday donated a shower curtain to me. Um, so one, yeah. Yeah, yeah, she's like, have you ever tried a shower curtain? I said, no, but that would be fascinating. So seeing in the shower and all the dye. I know. So running, yeah, it's like I'm very curious. Like, like oh, what is? Is this a good idea? Yeah. So Matt's well, is stain now. Yeah. Honestly, I'm like, this might not be the best idea. Like, we'll see. So a lot of it comes from other people's questions, and then because I have the know-how on. Okay, polyester kind of works this way. Nylon does this. Acrylic, like, ugh. <laughs> um, then I can kind of take it and say, okay, let's try this out. We're using this dye and this. We need these tools. And I've gotten a few message for, messages from people who said, like, thank you so much. Like, I went and tie-dyed my shoes after your tie-dye thing. So awesome. Awesome. it's really cool. And I think just the reason that I really love doing it is just discovering more ways to repurpose things. You know, a lot of people have said since I did that rain jacket reel, like this is what the outdoor industry needs. Like we need more upcycled rain jackets. So shout out to some outdoor companies if y'all want to collab. <laughs> but it's, it's really cool what other people's, you know, imagination does for my own creativity. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. I, th- yeah. You see it on our wall. We have mm-hmm. other people's yes. creations on our wall 100%. because it inspires us mm-hmm. daily to like, Hey, let's try something different. Yes. Let's mess around with stuff. Yeah. Um, I love the upcycle aspect of Thank what you do. Like the talking about the jacket just right there. There's a stain for most people that goes in a landfill. hundred mm-hmm. percent. Yep. And so like giving this new life, the stain's gone once you're tie dyed. <laughs> like, yes. You will never notice it's there. Yeah. yeah ever. So like it, it's, we, we definitely love the thrift store. Like it's one of those <laughs> fun things we try to hit up like weekly yes. and never know what kind of treasures you're yeah. going to find. What are some of those, let's say non apparel pieces that you're looking at the thrift store and going, hmm. I want to <laughs> That's a great question. A lot of people suggest like frisbees, you know, for frisbee golf. That's one that I get a lot where people are like, will you tie dye a a frisbee or something plastic? You know, I've gotten, what is that called? Um, You know, like the hydro dipping. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. A lot of people, like that's what I wonder about a lot when I'm at a thrift store. If I'm looking at, you know, sometimes I'll look at chairs or plates. Mm -hmm. Like, can I somehow yeah Yeah, could i like somehow come up with a method that's dyes this thing and gives new life to it and i haven't ventured out a a whole lot into things that are non-wearables partially because i just love clothes um (laughs) but yeah it's i think the what i've learned in doing this tri-dye thing is i believe it's possible to probably dye anything you know if you wanted to I don't know, upcycle wrapping paper, you probably could, honestly. Or, you know, I'm looking at that whiteboard over there. I'm like, could I somehow <laughs> do like a groovy whiteboard upcycle? Um, just a matter of having the time to actually bring it home and try it and like research the materials and deciding which, if it's worth you it. You could go down the rabbit hole with like, instead of whiteboard, but like framed art, you could tie-dye canvas, yes. then you can do your block printing on that and yeah. then frame it, and then it's a whole other thing. 100%, yeah. <laughs> like, one of the things that I 
have only kind of dipped my toe into my my mom and my sister before I even started doing tie-dye, they had the this hobby of they'll go get jewelry and break it apart. And then they'll, they started making like Christmas tree de- decor. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. it's just like on a flat, you know, piece of, I think they glue it to like pretty fabric, but I think it's just like a piece of cardboard or something. And then they frame it and super cute. And they made a bunch of them and tried to do an Etsy shop. But I think... For people who don't have that marketing savvy, it's hard to grow an Etsy shop. And so when I had started mine, they said, do you want to do anything with these? They're just sitting here. So that's all to say I've sold some of their little Christmas tree things because it very much fits the ethos of my brand. But I've started thinking, what if I tie-dyed these backgrounds? And we did way more than Christmas trees, you know? Like Mm -hmm. we could do skulls on you know, really moody tie-dye. We could do flowers. And <laughs> it's just one of those things that you got to find the time, not even find the time, just make the time yeah. and yeah. and start doing it. So mom and Adrian, if you're listening, like start making some jewelry. <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah, but I think there's so much to that where I've been wanting to make um, like pennants and wall banners where I can either screen print on it or, block print on it and so people can have this decor that's maybe not a lot of the times for home decor for tie-dye all you see are these huge tapestries mm-hmm. and I'm frankly not a fan of them because I'm like I don't want to that's just too much for me to look at but I'm sure other people feel the same way and would want something a little bit more subtle and you just gotta go create it gotta go do it so this is the universe talking to me being like do it i mean there's a week before the show i mean there's plenty of time to do something i can totally i can totally make that happen speaking of you know running an etsy shop and doing shows and having you know instagram and all of the things as a business owner how did you make that decision to take your business full time Mm. and and do trash pile full time So it was a complicated decision for me in some ways. I wasn't planning on taking my business full time for another year or two. Um, I had been working full time last summer while I was doing markets and was also in the market to try to buy a house. Um, I, you know just felt really strongly like this is the dream I want to make come true right now. It's awesome that I have this secondary income. So my plan was I'm going to buy a house, get these roommates, pay nothing for my mortgage, and I'm going to have a studio. And then over the next year or two, I'm going to grow and then I'll go full time. But I lost my job very unexpectedly in October. And it was very clear to me based on you know how I was feeling and then the feedback I got from every single person in my life including my father who works in human resources and is very like you need to have health insurance you need to have a 401k <laughs> like you need something stable everybody including him said well you have this business like go go pursue it like clearly you are so much happier doing this like you said I love tinkering with my hands like they can hardly stay still so <laughs> It just was very obvious, like, you're so much happier doing this, and you've gotten some data already on, like, sales and what you can expect at some of these markets, and 
So I just said, let's go try, try it out. Let's see how this goes for a year or two or just try to do my best. So it wasn't necessarily a choice that I was looking to make, but when reality kind of like put it in front of me, I said, I would rather have this freedom to go create every single day in my life than this burnout or I'm just trying to generate the energy to maybe get it to grow. And so now that I'm in this seat where it is my priority, I still do some some side hustle stuff to help pay the bills. Um, but now I'm that I'm in the seat where it is my life's priority. It's like, man, why didn't I do this like 10 years ago? <laughs> you know, like if you're 21 and listening to this, like just <laughs> I would, have, I would have loved to have given myself a year after college to really experience, like, what it is that I wanted and what I really loved rather than putting the pressure on myself to, like, fit into this, like, mold and this expectation of, like, you need to have a house by the time you're 30 and you mm. should have all this money in your 401k. It's like, well, I was miserable doing that. So I think that's what it came down to for me is – when I was in that seat of, okay, do I go find another full-time job or do I pursue the trash pile? Like where was the joy coming Mm -hmm. from for me? And the joy was coming from the creativity. And I think as I, you know, what are we eight months removed from October? So much more joy has flowed (laughs) into my life and I may not be, you know, making as much money on paper as I, as I used to be, but just like my quality of life has gone up. So that's, that's a huge mm-hmm. like factor, especially after this whole pandemic and this whole situation 100%. that we've all kind of like lived through and like, man, like why do we have to play by corporate rules? Why do we have to play by the HRs mm-hmm. and all this stuff that we need this in our life? Because that stuff made us miserable. hundred mm-hmm. percent. And yeah. so, which is not the case for everyone. It's not the case. Yeah, for if you everyone, love your job, like yeah, that's yeah, awesome. Yeah, I, I hated it. But as creative <laughs> people, it, it is very tough to find those things. Fortunately for me, like uh, through like my span of careers, I've never had like too much of a, a mm-hmm. situation where it was like, Oh, this is corporate yeah. death. kind of thing. It's like, I had studio spaces with the people I was working with and we like produced stuff and created things, but it was never, I was never rich. <laughs> I yeah. was never in the sense of like, like we like we've made this joke before. We're craft rich. We have all this craft I supplies. Love that. We have this. It's not our original. I heard it somewhere else, and I love it, and I use it all the time because like we have supplies for days. Yes. Like if you need paint, we got you. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> Fabric check. check. <laughs> Literally anything yeah. you can think of. Yeah, rivets. It. There's I got rivets of all different sizes. That's awesome. got it covered. Leather. Paint Paper. The we're fine. We're fine. We <laughs> are just fine. They get paid on time. They, they get paid on time. Uh, but it is one of those like pursuit of like that happiness and and work life balance. Like I will spend fifteen hours down here working. Yes, and I'll be happy at the mm-hmm. end of the day. Like it is a whole different type of feeling, yes. and like you also feel like gratified that like you made what you did. Yes, kind of thing. And so like how often are you in your kitchen your bedroom your living uh, room room, whatever (laughs) making t-shirts or making pieces all the time it's so funny how you know with all these corporate jobs that i used to have like i really i had this like crazy discomfort when they would expect me to work 
at night or answer an email. I'm like, how dare you? <laughs> but now, I mean, just last night, I was folding shirts at like 11 p.m., you know, <laughs> sitting on my floor in my living room watching Netflix. And it's so interesting how when you are actually passionate about what you're doing, like, it's like you said, you become like rich in your own, you know, I'm tie-dye rich. Like, I, <laughs> I genuinely love like creating these cool things. And so... I'm probably creating tie-dye, like, at least, I don't know, probably, like, five or six hours a day these days, especially during the summer when there's all these markets and I just got to get stuff made. It's it's a pretty lengthy process, and that means I'm constantly cleaning up. Like, I <laughs> consider myself a tie-dye artist and a janitor because, like, the amount of money that I spend... On like Swiffer wets and all of these things because I am creating stuff, like you said, in my kitchen. And that, you know, I need to disinfect it if I want to cook dinner. And so it's a little bit of a struggle, but it's also... It's the good kind of struggle. It's the good kind of struggle. I would rather have this struggle than, you know, I, I don't dread waking up in the morning and being like, oh, I got to like rush out the door. I can't make breakfast. It's... There's times I'm up at five o'clock in the morning. I'm down in my office and I'm like on my iPad drawing. Yes. I'm on my computer designing. Yeah. I'm down here. I literally just bought a new camera mm. and I had woken up with the migraine and I'm like, I'm going to do some photography and yeah. I'm going to make stickers. And by the time she was up making breakfast, I already had the first set of stickers yeah. printing. And I was like, but it, I was like, I was through a migraine, yeah. pushing through. I'm like, I, I want to create. Yes. Like, that's the reality of it. Yeah, yeah, I totally feel that. Like, before I came over here, I had, you know, 45 minutes between my last call and needing to leave. And I think when you're exhausted with burnout from your 9 to 5 that you hate, you're probably just going to sit there and maybe watch TV or play with your dog. And I'm like... Oh my gosh, I think I got like 20 shirts folded. Like, okay, like <laughs> let's just like fold some shirts. Like, because you feel that just drive to do it because you genuinely enjoy it, even when you're tired and sick and X, Y, and Z, because it's it's actually fun. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, definitely. For anybody out there looking to pursue creativity, pursue this kind of like passion and get out to shows and stuff like that, what's your words of wisdom for them? Wow. I I would say I think two things. Like circling back to something I said earlier is just do it. You know, if you're feeling this draw to pursue any form of creativity, like actually do it. I I don't want to call any of my friends out, but I have friends who are very much in their their current life situation and I'll hear them say I want to start doing this. I'm going to start doing this, whether it's their hobby and they want to start creating or they want to start doing something a little bit more creative on Instagram. Like I'm going to start doing this and I've been hearing it for months <laughs> and you know, we have those same people in our lives. Yes. It, and it's, it's I just, all around us. it's, I know how scary it is, but it's also like, I promise you pursuing it like is only going to, open up so much good you know whatever that ends up looking like it's not gonna ever be a bad thing to like pursue your creativity so I think that's number one is just do it and then I think number two is create for yourself yep. um I think there's a lot of pressure with 
you know, the way that social media works these days, we feel like these certain ideas or looks or aesthetics or what we need to be creating. I get caught in that sometimes where I'll see viral tie-dye videos and think, oh my gosh, like, should I learn to do that? Like, even though you don't, I don't like that. Um, And the answer is like, you should pursue like what your heart and soul are really truly calling to if that's you know cat drawings like do it (laughs) create for yourself because I think when you're creating for yourself and being super authentic to your voice that's when other people will start like getting on that same wavelength (laughs) because I think people really have a good radar for authenticity and I think when we feel somebody being in their authentic self and creating their authentic voice and truth and everything, it kind of gives us permission to do the same, you know? Um, I think that's been one of the most awesome things about doing these markets is you get to meet so many other people who are in that zone, who are creating whatever it is that is really speaking to them. And it just by being around some of these folks, like you feel extra confident to continue pursuing what you do and, so I think it's those two things. Just do it and, and do it for yourself. Don't be pursuing the likes and the shares, you know, just... Don't follow the trends. Don't follow don't, the yeah. trends. You know, do if you, you really... If something that you're doing just so happens to be a trend... Cool. Awesome. <laughs> I think that's one reason why I did start my tie-dye Instagram page back in the day is I had been noticing tie-dye coming back in a little bit and people wearing it. So I said, okay, I think there's this might be my moment kind of thing. Um, so yeah, like I think there's just, there's so many trends you could hop on, but there's only one you to be true to and the world needs you. And that's, I think what I would say. Yeah, yeah. that's great. Yeah. Oh, yeah solid. Oh, anything Christy that you want to catch up before we end this off? Um, so you're going to be at Craft Lake City. Yes. Next weekend, yes. we'll be there as well. Outside, <laughs> suffering when, through the the heat. Hopefully, it's not too bad. <laughs> when this comes so. out, guys, it is the weekend. Yes. We, like yes. we will be there. It is August 11th, 12th, and 13th in Salt Lake uh, at the Utah State Fair Park. Yes. Um, Friday is when it starts, and uh, if you guys again in the area, you are flying in, you're driving in, whatever, come say hi to all the artists out mm-hmm. there. There are so many amazing artists mm-hmm. and everything. But if Absolutely. you guys are looking for tie dye shirts, 100 percent like. Trash pile is the place to go. Mm-hmm. Place to be. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So you have DIY Fest. You have other markets scheduled for the summer. What are your long-term goals for Trash Pile? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I kind of have two tracks that I almost want to go down. Um, I've always, not always, but over the last probably eight to ten months or so, I've been feeling this call to like create some sort of collective um whether it's just tie-dye people upcycling or any kind of upcycled clothing I feel like I've met a lot of people who for some reason or another are drawn to creating things and recycling things but I, th- I feel lucky in that like my background's in marketing so when I set out to start this business I knew how to do social media stuff. Like I figured out Shopify and Etsy really quickly because 
I had run websites before, but not everybody has that background. Some people's personalities, they just don't want to, you know, I'm very comfortable getting in front and in, in, getting in front of my brand and really making it my own, but not everyone's that way. So I've thought, could the trash pile be some sort of collective where maybe it morphs into something like an Etsy, where it's this marketplace of people upcycling things, or maybe I teach classes and I hire people who embroider and screen print and sew and everything. And you can come to us to learn how to launch your own business. I, I just feel really compelled to collaborate with people. And I've, like I said, I never set out to start a business, but the fact that it's just grown so naturally and organically, I would love to just help other people do that. Um, so that's on one hand, like I, I have this collective vision that I have literally no idea <laughs> how I would go about doing that. And then I think there's another track where I want to continue learning and adding to my own skill set where, you know, if this collective thing takes forever or maybe I start it and give it over to somebody else to run because I don't feel that compelled to be like a CEO type. Um, <laughs> I would love to just start, you know, upcycling. I would love to sew and embroider. And if I could upcycle jeans and dresses and just really put a dent in the problem of fast fashion. Yeah. Um, you know, my ultimate, I guess, long-term vision. I don't know if you're familiar with, there's huge landfills in, I want to mm-hmm. say Ghana and Argentina are like the two biggest ones. Um, I might don't, I might be misquoting that, but just that are acres and acres and acres and billions and billions of pounds of garbage mm-hmm. from the fast fashion industry. And I thought, how could I like disrupt that? You know, how can I get in front of that landfill and save a lot of this stuff? And I think that's where the collective comes in where if I can learn a lot of stuff, I can do my own, put my own dent. But if I empowered dozens, hundreds, thousands of other artists to be doing the same thing, like, could we just like save the planet a little bit, you know? Um, Maybe put a dent in it. (laughs) Yeah, so I feel like I have my own personal kind of desires with, I just want to upcycle more stuff. I love tie-dye, but I just never saw it taking up that much time in my day. It's really cool that it has. Um, So there's that, but there's also like, I feel like I can pull a lot of people up with me (laughs) while I do this. I just have no idea how to navigate any of that so <laughs> we we're in the same boat yes. we, we definitely want we don't want to hold our resources to yes. ourselves yeah we want to share other people we want to share what we can do with people and we want to teach like i've taught photography to younger generations mm-hmm. because i'm passionate right. about mm-hmm. doing the photography chrissy's done her bunch of different stuff and everything <laughs> out there to teach that next generation mm-hmm. as well and so the like hearing the collective side of thing, hearing the like upcycle side of thing, because mm-hmm. it, it is it starts with one, yes. like, and and that's like if we can just everybody takes that one little bit kind of thing, it goes a long way. Right. It's it's not, but like if we if we can't get past this fast fashion side of like looking at the way our clothes comes in and everything, right. 
it, it will continue to make this pile. And totally. so we need to figure out a way to take from that pile and reuse and rebuild and right. regrow. And we've been down rabbit holes on YouTube of watching people who are like recycling. Mm -hmm. I bought a shredder uh, for paper because I want to start print, like making our own paper for our prints yes. because we have waste that we use and mm -hmm. we're like, how can oh, we eliminate some of our waste? Some of our side yeah. of things. So we're not filling that land. Hundred percent. Yeah. yeah, and it's it's interesting. Like you said, I uh, started making scrunchies out of my tie dye scraps just because I w I had this pile, yeah. like a literal trash pile of like <laughs> I would cut off crop tops or whatever, and didn't know what to do with this fabric. And so I think you know it comes down to like also helping people realize what's in their own pile you know mm -hmm. there's these huge trash piles out there but like so many people have these piles of clothes that like never get worn and they don't know oh my gosh i can send it to this girl and she'll tie-dye it she'll tie-dye that stain or you know maybe we'll embroider something over the stain like whatever it is i think it's also just empowering people to realize what's in front of them and how much potential it still has which in some ways is helping them realize their own potential. I think it's very poetic <laughs> to like reuse and, you know, extend the life of things because it's ultimately just makes us all more resourceful and saves the planet. Like just, yeah. just a little that, that bit. A little bit goes a long bit. way. That's so, it. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. So awesome. This mm -hmm. has been great. Uh, the conversation has been <laughs> awesome with you. And we could probably go even I know. <laughs> um, But so people know where to find you, social media, Etsy store, mm -hmm. website. What, where can they find all that information? Yeah. So my Instagram is underscore the trash pile. So you can also Google me or just look me up on Instagram. And generally, I'm the first one to come up. Um, my website is thetrashpile.co, not .com. That's like a weird investing looking thing. I don't, <laughs> I don't know what the trashball.com is. So it's .co. And then Etsy is just Etsy, whatever it is, .com slash, I think it's the Trash Pile tie-dye on Instagram. But if you and search Etsy. the Trash Pile, not many other people have that name. And we'll make sure we link in the description on the um, YouTube video as well, for sure. Yes. And also on the uh, Spotify and all yes. the other places awesome. that we could link to. So we'll have yeah, all those. Yeah, and my website and Instagram have my market schedule. So if you want to come out to an event, um, I'm all over Utah this summer. I get down all the way to St. George a lot of the time. So any future plans to expand to other states potentially? And I would love to. I've actually done a few things out of state. Um, really, only at climbing festivals. I'm okay. a big rock climber, yeah. and so anytime there's a festival, you go find your people. Yeah, like literally, <laughs> yeah. climbers are my people. That is my bread and butter. Um, but I have wanted to get over to like Denver, maybe and. Maybe even Vegas when it's not a million degrees. <laughs> so there is, I definitely have a desire to kind of get out and maybe even do some pop-ups. But that's a challenge of the, running the business that's been interesting is as fun as this trip might sound, taking your whole business on the road is kind <laughs> of expensive and sometimes not that fun. So <laughs> I've uh, had some interesting experiences when I've traveled for these climbing festivals. So We'll see how, how that goes next year kind of thing. <laughs> Fair enough. Awesome. All right, guys. Thank you guys for joining us again yes, on another you, episode <laughs> of yes. Always Making. And Taylor, it was a great conversation with you. Thank you so much and, for having uh, me. Super awesome for you to share all your passion about tie-dye and everything. Yes. So, guys, uh, again, thank you guys for joining us. We'll catch you guys on the next episode. Bye. Bye. Bye.